Welcome everyone to episode 186 of the Red Zone Restrictor podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Liam Tower and Jamie Barton as we revisit our pre-season predictions. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. We're halfway through the season now, or, or just over halfway. Liverpool obviously in the midst of their winter break. No game for them last weekend. Haven't played since last midweek when they played Fulham in the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final. So we thought that this would be an opportune moment with a little bit of a, a lull in the season, which is obviously a rarity to look back on the predictions we made in August before the season started and see how we're doing. And we might obviously come back to these again at the end of the year, but you can already tell the trajectory of some of them. I can say that having um, looked back on them already. So um, the first prediction we made was first sacking. Um, happy that we're starting with this one because I got it correct with hacking bottom. Um, obviously losing his job at Sheffield United, um, which felt like an inevitability based on how they started the season. Um, Liam went for David Moyes. Don't think that one's aged especially well, considering oh. you know that they, they are sixth in the league. Um, we had uh, Jamie went for um, Marco Silva, which isn't. I mean, it's maybe a slightly better prediction. The thirteenth, obviously, they've had the really good cup run as well. I can't really criticise you too much on that. I had Fulham getting relegated, so I, I've also sort of underestimated them. Um, and I should also mention actually that that Chris, um, who, who sent us some predictions as well, um, he had Steve Cooper as his. So I'm a bit unfortunate there because Cooper was actually the second manager to go. Um, moving on to biggest flop, we had um, I had Robert Sanchez. Not really giving myself a point for that one. Um, I think I like to look at his stats. He's pretty much he's just only slightly below average when it comes to the shot stopping numbers. Not many made, you know, not made too many errors leading to goal or anything like that. Um, I think he had he's had one or two ropey games and bad moments, and I still don't especially rate him as a goalkeeper. But I don't think he's biggest flop territory. However, your your answers, um, lads, I think we're a bit better on this. Um, what do we have? We had Jamie went for Rasmus Hoyland, um, which is definitely a valid answer. Two goals in sixteen in the Premier League up to this point. Um, Liam went for. Nicholas Jackson, um, which I would also say he qualifies. So he's got seven goals in 19 games. Um, but three of those obviously came in that mad game against Tottenham. So it's, it's a bit of a misleading stat. So it's basically four and 18 aside from that. He's joint fourth for big chances missed. And he's got the third biggest XG underperformance in the Premier League. So I think you've both done pretty well in that category. Um, as for best signing, um, I went for Jurian Timber. He did his ACL in the first game of the season, which... <laughs> is um, perhaps my most catastrophic jinx um, of all time. Um, and then we had uh, Jamie went for Musa Diaby, who's been decent, four goals, six assists in 21 games up to this point. Um, so I think that was a, that's been an all right shout, even if he's maybe not on the very highest echelon. And one thing I want to kind of pause and discuss here is Alexis McAllister, who you had, um, Liam, as your best signing which I think has been he's been a little bit sort of up and down up to this point um I mean if I said to you now what would you give that signing out of 10 up to this point what would you say because we've had this discussion several times it feels like where you're torn between he's not playing in this position but also he's maybe not at his absolute best level yeah um I think I'll probably go with seven out of ten like I think he has been 
he probably qu- hasn't been quite as revolutionary as what I'd expect. He definitely hasn't gotten the the goals tally that, that I would expect, considering that he got 12 with Brighton last season and he only has one with Liverpool so far, albeit that it was quite uh, the blockbuster in that game against Fulham. Um, I think that's probably the one aspect of McAllister I'd be most disappointed with, even allowing for him probably being played in a bit more of a withdrawn role than I think many Liverpool fans would, would have expected. Um, again, like he has sort of had to maybe adjust to that a little bit. Um, you know, he isn't quite as was it in terms of just being a pure midfield shielder, probably not quite as accomplished as for Tawendo in the same in the same role. Um, but at the same, but I definitely wouldn't be sitting here saying that McAllister has been like a flop or a disappointment or anything like that. Um, I think he has been kind of given a job a job to do, and by and large, I think he has he has done it to um, a fairly competent degree. Um, and I definitely think there. I, I can see there be more to come from him. Now that Endo is settled in the team, like once going back from AFCON, all going well, I think he'll start after AFCON Asian Cup, sorry. Um, once he comes back from that, I think he'll slot straight back into the side again. Um, as always, I would imagine would be a starter as well. Um, like Mc, there is an argument to be made that McAllister might have a little bit of a fight for his place if you know, if we had the bulk of their midfielders available again. You know, once those continental tournaments are, are are out of the way, but um, but you never know. I mean, as we've seen with like Endo had a slow enough start and has so accelerated since about December. Funny enough, the same is probably the opposite. He roared out of the blocks and has probably been slightly more sedate maybe over the last five six weeks or so. So like that, like as we're talking now, McAllister has been you know large, largely good, um. Give it three, four months, and you never know. We could be talking about him being sensational. So yeah, I'm still clinging to that. Yeah, and um, I should note that uh, Chris also had him as best sign, and obviously we were all very excited about that, especially for the price as well. Um, I think you touched on something really interesting there, Liam, in the sense that you know where is his long term position in this team? Because I would still expect Liverpool to go out and get a number six for. 50 million, 40, 50 million, 23, 24 years old, who's kind of able to sort of be a specialist in that role long term. Um, and if that happens, obviously McAllister's is not going to be first choice there anymore. But then you're looking at left centre midfield where Curtis Jones has obviously impressed so many people this season. Ryan Gravenberch as well, who's kind of that long term player. And it just feels like where do all the pieces fit together? Um, and he's almost going to be a bit of a disadvantage compared to those players because they'll have had a head start playing much more minutes kind of in that more advanced role in midfield. So interesting to see how that, you know, works out long-term and whether Klopp does commit to using him in that deeper role. Um, I think sort of a a six, a 6 out of 10, um, 7 out of 10 is a fair score as well. It is about where he's at at the moment. Um, moving on to most assists now, I had Mohamed Salah, which is um, looking quite good. He's joint first with Watkins at the moment on eight. Um, Liam had De Bruyne. Just unfortunate there that he's obviously had that injury, but in fairness, <laughs> based on that pass to Oscar Bob um, at the weekend, he could still be up there at the end of the season. Jamie, I want to revisit yours because because you had Trent, um, who obviously I think he had quite a slow start in that area. He's up to three now, still not obviously um, right at the top of the leaderboard by any means, but 
I think it's interesting to use this as a way to reflect on Trent's role this season because I remember I did a separate podcast where I said, you know, can Trent um, get to 15 assists in the Premier League this season? We we saw that he ended last year with 7 and 10 in that, um, obviously, that new hybrid midfield role. Um, but as it turns out, he's still imp- impacting games as much, but it's not quite with maybe those assist numbers, is it? It's, it's evolved a little bit. Yeah, no, I think he's he's progressing from deep very, 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 very effectively in the kind of Thiago mould. Um, who would have thought at the beginning of the season we'd be sitting here with Darwin Nunez on, I think, double the number of Premier League assists than, than Trent Alexander-Arnold and six. Um, but no, absolutely. As, as you say, seven in ten last season, and that was very impressive. But I think quietly we've seen him move even further back than he maybe was playing at the at the end of last season. We've seen him in that kind of almost looking like a centre back in possession at times, and obviously he is breaking forward into the box. Uh, I saw that he and Nunez are the top two in terms of hitting the woodwork this season as well, which is quite a nice little stat as well. Um, so he's clearly kind of progressing the ball and and moving play. The assist numbers aren't there, but I, to be honest, that doesn't reflect to me the the quality of, of his performances. I think. He has maybe been our most important player other than Van Dijk this season. I think it might be fair to say. Uh, and the jury's still out on how we'll do for the hopefully brief period that we're that we are without him. Yeah, and I think it's sort of a bit of both in the sense that he has been impacting games from deeper areas, taking on a different kind of playmaker role within the team. But also there's probably been a few opportunities that, you know, particular players haven't been able to finish. We know that our attack, for example, hasn't always been firing this season. So that number might be higher. But again, it's not necessarily exactly what we envisaged. Um, But I I think this version of Trent that we're seeing at the moment is still the best uh, for me. Um, Golden Boot was the next category. um, And we all went for Haaland. Um, Haaland across the board, um, as you'd expect, 36 goals last season, comfortably breaking the record in that area. Um, he's been out injured for a while. Um, Mohamed Salah is joint top with him. I mean, the fact that Haaland has missed quite a few games, and that feels like and he's still sitting there, says quite a lot about um, how prolific he is. Um, but Salah, Salah's in there. You know, we're, like I said at the start, we're more than halfway through the season. They're both there on 14 goals. So I'll come back to you, Liam. Does Mohamed Salah have a really good chance to win the Golden Boot this year? Or do you think when Haaland comes back, he's, he's going to take it away from him completely? Um I think that could depend maybe, David, on a couple of things. Uh, one, how many more games Salah misses, depending on how far Egypt go in, in AFCON. I think he could miss, if they get to the final, I think he'll miss four Premier League matches on, on my count. Um, obviously, and then if Haaland is with Man City again, having played their match and, and been on their break now, like they're not an action again until at the end of the month, I think. So by, by which stage, Haaland could well be back. Um and that might give him that opportunity to perhaps pull away a little bit, especially if he has De Bruyne kind of loading the, the bullets for him as well. Um, it's great that Salah's up there. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have expected him to be level with Haaland at this point of the season when we did the predictions back in August. Um, and like hopefully he can you know, at least stay in contention contention there. Um, but um, I think it's hard not to to look. It's hard to look past Haaland. Um, as you say, he's joint top, having missed a few games. 
and Man City haven't had their well, comparative lull by their standards, and which now seem to have gotten over. Um, yeah, I think I think Salah might he'll be there thereabouts, but sticking with Haaland when it's out. Yeah, um, it's hard to bet against him, obviously. And the one thing I would say is, um, at the start of the season, I just sort of thought to myself, while Haaland is in that City team, I don't know if anybody else is going to be able to win the Golden Boot. I mean, Harry Kane last season, I think he got, um, I don't know if he managed to get quite 30 Premier League goals, but I think he was, you know, high 20s, if not. And, you know, he was still comfortably behind and that kind of showed, I mean, it's so difficult to score 30 goals, but um, it looked like barring injury, basically, which is obviously what we've seen this season. Haaland was going to basically monopolise that. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see, obviously, how many games each of them play before the end of the season. But it's definitely a credit to Salah to even be in the same in the same bracket, obviously, as someone who's who's that prolific. Um, obviously, next up was relegation. Um, yeah, I think we all had um, Sheffield United going down. We did. And then there was a bit more variation. Um We've obviously seen Luton make a decent fifth up to this point. I think Wolves and Fulham got a couple of shouts in there. Um, just looking back now. Um, yeah, Liam had Wolves going down. Jamie had Fulham going down, as I did. They look pretty much safe at this point. Um, Jamie also had Crystal Palace going down, which I look back on as a fairly interesting shout. I mean, I wasn't um, keen at all on, on the idea of Roy Hodgson going back there. He's basically just a bit of a lame duck until the end of the season, if he even lasts that long. Five points above Luton. We don't know what's happening with Everton and Nottingham Forest now, which can obviously change that quite a lot. A bit of a wild card in the uh, relegation battle. But um, I do think that, depending on what goes on there, Crystal Palace have you know, have a chance of ending up in that in that bottom three. So that might not be the, the worst sort of shout from you, Jamie, even though it was quite bold. I do think we should probably focus more on is the top four, um, where I had Man United fourth, Jamie had Man United third above Liverpool, um, and Liam didn't have them in there at all. But Liam had Chelsea. So let's talk about those two, because they've obviously been the two biggest underachievers in the league up, up to this point. Um, Jamie, you know, you had United third. Where do you think they can finish this season? You know, had that 2-2 draw with, with Spurs. It seems to have a couple of players coming back now, can they put, put a run together second half of the season or do you think they're just destined to sort of end up fighting for Europa League at best? Yeah, I'm looking at the table now. It, to be honest, it there's already such a massive gap to fifth. They're, they're eight points behind Spurs with the same number of games played. I don't see them making that up. I, I, I think, quite honestly, the best they can hope to finish, and they probably will, maybe start to write their form a little bit would be to, to to get into sixth and beat West Ham maybe to that spot. Having said that, they're two points behind West Ham now with having played a game more than West Ham have. So you'd, you'd think that's maybe likely to be five points once once that levels out. So, like, no one, maybe you did, Liam, if they weren't in, your top, in the top four, but I don't think anyone predicted Man United to fall off quite as hard as much as they have. Certainly I didn't. I, I thought they would build on that. I, I listened back to the the, uh, the pod we did that, uh, that we're reacting to now. Uh, and I said that they'd had a great a great summer transfer window, uh, despite my Hoyland shout, which looks like a bit of kind of egg on my face now. Seen nothing from Mason Mount, for example. And obviously the, that has a lot to do with injury, but even when he was in the, in the team. 
So, no, no one expected them to fall off this much. But in, this, in the same breath, I don't think anyone expects them to climb any, any further up the table than they are currently. Yeah, I can see United picking up a bit of form once they've got kind of that, you know, Martinez. Um, maybe it's probably going to be Maguire over Varane, but once they've got that sort of spine of the team back together and if the injuries do ease off for them a bit, I think they'll maybe do a better job of, of picking up points against the weaker teams and, and that might see them, you know, at least be in the mirror of a team like Spurs. But yeah, like you say, the gap is really big. Token then... Um, Liam, about Chelsea. It looked like it was going to be a repeat of last season for them, effectively. They've improved recently. I mean, maybe not performances haven't maybe been the finest, but barring that cup um, upset against Middlesbrough, which they still have a chance to rectify, obviously, they do seem to have, you know, turned things around a little bit. You can never kind of be too sure with, with Chelsea at the moment. I mean, do you... Let, let me phrase the question this way. Who do you think is going to finish high up the table, Chelsea or Man United? Man United. Yeah, I just think um, this, this, this is interesting to listen to Jamie's verdict on him there. Um, and I also think I had them, like my revised prediction, I had Man United for sixth. Um, I wouldn't complete, completely discount them catching the likes of Tottenham. Um I seem to recall, I think it was a deer that we won the title um, when the Premier League came back that summer. I think they were about eight points off Leicester in the race for top four. That was with only like eight or nine matches left. And it, it did end up catching Leicester for a finish. So I think that might um, you know, offer them some hope of, of, like, a, of like a second half of the season revival under, under Ten Hag. Um, they strike me as one team who are probably better than anyone else in the Premier League at being able to conjure up a result without putting together anything even resembling a good performance. I mean, think back to Wolves the opening day of the season, how they won that, God only knows. Um, think back to Brentford, it's Scott McTominay with his two goals in stoppage time. Um, even the Fulham game, like where, again, Fulham were clear superior from that day and of course who pops up with an last minute winner only Bruno Fernandes so they always seem to have and even like going back to like the Villa game there over Christmas like you look at them at half time thinking oh here we go again like the, the beams will be out and suddenly they go and produce a massive second half and get it put a win out of the bag so whatever like, I'm damning with fame praise here but they do have that quality about them and as you say David to have players come back I think one Smartin is Joe is fully back in the team and he gets to sustain her on the side again. I do think they'll improve defensively. Um, now that Fernanda has gone off to the African Nations, could Bayern there come in and Joe, could he end up being a bit of a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a hidden gem for the second half of the season? So, um, yeah, I don't, obviously they're not going to fulfil my pre-season prediction at third, but um, I, can def- I definitely would have more confidence in them having a, a strong second half of the season in Chelsea. Yeah, there's actually only um, one point between those two teams now. Both haven't played um, 21 matches. Brighton sat in between them, haven't played 20. So that could be a bit of an intriguing battle between, like I said, the two biggest underachievers so far this season. Next question that I want to dwell on, and I don't think just to have a quick look. No, um, unsurprisingly, nobody had 
either of these teams in their top four, even though Aston Villa were obviously brilliant last season. Jamie, which of um, Aston Villa and Spurs do you think is going to finish higher? Let me get the table. That's that's. I, I think it'd be Villa. So I, I I remember going big with my Villa shouts early in the season. I think quite a, quite a lot of us had. I think Liam, you had Tielemans as one of your signings of the season. So I think Dave, you had you had um, uh, Pal Torres as one of your signings of the season. As we touched on, I had Musa Diaby as my signing of the season, and I had them sixth. Uh, and that sounded like a stretch then. So to think now that they're riding high, two points off top, forty-three points with in, in third third place above Arsenal, albeit with a game uh, more played. They just seem to have gone from strength to strength. And and look, it's based, as we all know, on some very, very solid, well, fantastic home form. But quietly, they're starting to put it together, I think, on the road as well. They they went to Brentford and won. Uh just looking here, they they got a, they went to Spurs and won. These are all like very, very solid results on the road. And look, a lot depends on on injuries because while it's a very, very, very impressive first eleven. Maybe they don't have maybe the strength and depth of, of some of the sides around them. But to be honest, I, th- I think Spurs will do well. But I, I don't see them catching Villa. Um, I don't know which way. No, in fact, so they, they Villa have already gone to Spurs and won. So you, you, that would mean that Spurs still have to go to to Villa Park and, and as we've seen with pretty much any team that's gone there this season that's, that can be one of the hardest games in the league so look very impressive seasons for both both done much better than I think any of us expected um, I think Villa are the real deal I, I really do yeah and you know I suppose it's one of them where you can't write a team off when they've delivered that kind of form for, for half a season I mean Villa now are on course to get what you know around eighty points, something like that, which is uh, unbelievable effort um, for for a side in that position. So I think it would be disrespectful to say anything less that they're in a genuine top four race at this point. I I did think the talk about them being title contenders was a bit excessive, to be honest. And we always see it here. It it wasn't quite as bad, but it reminds me of a few years ago and people were saying Arsenal could get relegated. You know, there's just certain things where you can easily talk yourself into an argument when you don't look at the basic facts, like Villa aren't good enough to win the league, much like that Arsenal team wasn't bad enough to get relegated. And I, I, obviously I'm saying this, they are two points off the top, but I just think, you know, they're, they're inevitably going to fall back a little bit. But even if, it, you know, if they finish there, that would be, I think, one of the, the great all-time managerial efforts from, from Unai Emery in the Premier League to do that. Um, and I do think that's going to be really interesting. I mean, Spurs have been the only team who've kind of been aggressive in the January market so far. We'll see if they get anybody else. Um, and, you know, if Arsenal continue to struggle, they're not safe as well, which is which is quite a mad thought. But, you know, we could be looking at a very different picture in a few weeks' time. So the really important question then um, in all of these predictions is obviously who wins the Premier League. Um, and Liverpool, much to all of our surprise, based on these predictions, are um, on top of the table at the moment. Man City, having played their game in hand effectively against uh, Newcastle and got that late victory, are only two points back. So the stage is sort of set for another title race. Liam, I saw a tweet from you immediately after that game, which um, was quite pessimistic about Liverpool's chances. And, And to be fair, it was hard not to be 
um, downbeat after watching City come back in that game. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give each of you the opportunity to take your prediction back and and say that you think Liverpool can go on and do it. I personally I'm not going to do that because I don't have I don't have the balls, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give I'll give each of you that chance. So you first off, Liam. Um, so I basically asked him, do I think Liverpool will, will win it? Um, I'd love to say yes, but looking at it objectively. I don't see it. Um, I just think we've been here so many times before at Manchester City. Like when it gets to like January or so, they might they even if they haven't up, they might be top of the table at that point. There's just something about them. They hit the turbo from like the new year onwards. They've seen a lot of like 12, 13, 14, whatever number of matches, wins in a row. Um, I think they've won their last three now in the league again after their little bit of a slump there before Christmas so looks like they've already put that firmly behind them as we've touched upon De Bruyne is back made, like, he scored a wonder goal in four minutes of coming on for God's sake um, Haaland is still to come back in um, yeah, there just, just, it just seems I, a certain inevitability, especially when it's this close. Like even like I recall us, I think the year that we remember we we hammered Arsenal five one um there in the, the twenty eighteen nineteen seasons. Don't know for me like for me or gosh that do one to go and we were like four and up at half time. And I remember that put us like nine points clear and we were all getting giddy at that point thinking, oh hang on let's draw where we could run away with this. And we all know what happens for a finish um Man City by a point. Like now, they're only two points ahead of us, um, and I don't think this Liverpool team, while still very good, is quite as strong as what we had in 2018-19. So, um, looking at that, I mean, it's great that we're at least in contention. It's great that we're at this point of the season, and, and we're talking about Joe Liverpool being a legitimate contender for the title. Um, think back to what to back to this time 12 months ago when we were getting hockeyed at Brighton and like eighth in the table. But um, all in all, I I just feel like we would need we would have needed that bit more of a buffer to to see, to see off Manchester City. Um, and as I said, I feel like we haven't had anything any kind of like Arsenal have had a little bit of slump lately. City had a little bit of one before Christmas. No, I have a horrible feeling that ours might be coming. Um, I'm looking at Bournemouth game on Sunday, and I just see it as all the hard marks of a match where things go badly arrived for us um, and then that gives City their chance to uh, nip ahead when they play next so I hope I'm wrong but I have to look at it subjectively and for me Manchester City still look too good Yeah I think um, that is going to be a very difficult game to see the form that, that Bournemouth have been in one thing I would say is the previous two times we'll have gone neck and neck with Man City 18-19 and 21-22 and City have had the home game second um, of the two. And I don't know how big a deal that's going to be, but Liverpool play City at Anfield. I think it's a, it's in March either, really. It's at the start of March or at the end. I, can't, I don't know off the top of my head. but um, or something like that. Yeah. So sort of early March, um, playing City at home. If they could get to that game and still have a two-point lead and then win that, then it's five. And you've got, I don't know, maybe 10 games left at that point. And then it's like, Okay, you know, something's seriously happening here. 
Um, but obviously, there's a lot of tests to come before then, not least going to Arsenal in that period. What about you, Jamie? Do, do you think Liverpool are going to do it from here or do you think City are going to have a little bit too much for them? It's killing me. Um, look, this is the most vulnerable Manchester City team I think that we've seen in, in a while. And that gives me some hope. I think one of the most eye-opening stretches of the season for, in, for any kind of storyline throughout the league so far is those games that Rodri wasn't playing for City. And, and you don't want to wish injury on anyone, obviously, and I'm not going to. But a nice little suspension might do us fine. Um, so, you know, it, it, there are so many moving parts. I think that, that that home game at Anfield is or could be huge, um, as you touched on. The fitness of Rodri, De Bruyne and Haaland are, is all, are all very important. Obviously, Haaland and De Bruyne with injury issues and, and Rodri, who knows, but we've seen how vital he, he, he is to them. Having said that, Feels like we have been here before and I'm not going to stick my neck on the line and say that we're going to do it. I think, Liam, you made a number of good points. The, the the momentum does appear maybe to be on their side now, which is mad considering what, what good form we are in, independent of them. And we started the season saying, just focus on us. This is about us getting back to our best and us being where we want to be. Don't think about City. And we've done that very well, I think. But you can only do that for so long. And the, the worry is, it's the, the winter break for our players. Maybe some of them are watching the, the Newcastle City game. Maybe some of them aren't. But they, they, they get to 90 minutes and they see three minutes go up for added time. And they're like, OK, we could do this nearly there. And then someone you've barely ever heard of goes and scores the winner. Federico Makeda style. Hmm. Um, yeah. and you, you worry that they go, oh God, not City again, not again. And that, that's the worry, and, that, and that, that's with the fans, but I think it's very, it, it, we underestimate sometimes how much that can stick with players as well. And so I'm not going to be all doom and gloom about it. I think we'll push them all the way. But if you have to, if, if, if uh, gun to my head, I had to, I had to give a, a prediction, I would say Man City. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting here is, you know, obviously a lot of these Liverpool players have been here before twice. A lot of them haven't now. We we saw quite a it's big true. rebuild in the summer. So is that going to be, A, a bad thing because they don't have experience of a top-level title race like this? Or B, are they not going to have that same maybe fear of, of Man City that, that um, is ingrained in some of the Liverpool players? And is that going to be a fresh mentality that's needed we will see um and we've obviously got a long way to go still but Liverpool very much in there which the key point to stress is this Liverpool weren't expected to be there they were expected to have a fight on the hands to get in the top four and that's still obviously not a complete foregone conclusion but you think that they'd be able to hopefully seal that relatively comfortably and then go go from there um and it has been overachievement so far this year which is like you alluded to Liam with that sort of horrible throwback to last year you know it's a huge, huge um, transformation. So big credit to Jürgen Klopp for that. But yeah, we'll finish the podcast there. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. And thanks to Liam and Jamie for joining me as well. And if you have enjoyed it, please give us a five-star rating or a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And remember to follow the podcast, press the notification button as well. Um, just so we appear in your feed and you get a message 
when we post our next episode, which will be after the game against Bournemouth at the weekend, like we mentioned earlier, a tricky one, going up Liverpool as they round off their winter break, and then they face Fulham, hoping to seal a place in the League Cup final. So a big couple of games ahead. Make sure you stick with us for that. But until the next one, take care.